Hey, grace and peace, everybody. Welcome back to Soteria Prophetic Ministries. I'm your host and teacher, Delisa Rogers-Fields, and I'm going to talk to you a few moments about the family. Um, for the last few days, I have been podca- broadcasting and podcasting about relationships, and um, even at work, uh, part of my job assignment requires me to support our school-based staff with implementing social emotional learning and that is um is something that I love to do but at the same time it can be a little bit overwhelming if that's not your thing you know not everybody is graced with um behavior health and being um, mindful and cognizant of how um, others are faring and so it's it's a job um, but it's one that I love and it's one that I spend a great deal of my day writing content and developing content um, for that. But in terms of what's happening in the realm of the kingdom, um, that has also been something that's been really heavy on my mind and my spirit. And so some of my latest uh, podcasts have been dealing with families and relationships because what I'm finding out and based especially upon the feedback that I'm receiving is that we as believers are really struggling with family dynamics and family issues and having gifts and callings and all of that. You can find a book, you know, like my mom would say, a dime a dozen, right, on on being a prophet or how do you interpret dreams and visions and all of those spiritual things. You know, they're, they're not hard to find. Um, there's a wealth of material and resources out there um, if that's your thing. But when it comes to the dynamics concerning the family, it just seems like we stumble a lot. We stumble a lot with um, forgiving. We stumble a lot with compromising. We stumble a lot with understanding um, and, and, and forgiveness. We stumble a lot. And I'm not even talking about the world, those who are unsaved and those who don't know Christ, but I'm talking about the believers, those who proclaim Christ, those who, uh, you know, defend the cause of Christ. We are the ones that are struggling with family dynamics, family issues. And so I'm going to take a few minutes and talk about that um, and, and just try to, with the help of the Lord, just, you know, impart some wisdom and some understanding that number one, we have no, we had no say so in determining which family we would belong to. Nobody had that choice. We are here. (laughs) And some of us, as I often say, have come up the rough side of the mountain. We didn't get to choose our parents. We didn't get to choose our circumstances. We didn't get to choose our upbringing, background, nor the things that affected us as children coming on up into adulthood. We had absolutely nothing to say about that. It happened to us. Um, It didn't always happen for us, but it certainly happened to us. And so if we were to just take a poll to see what has happened in our childhoods and how it has affected us, we'd be here all day. Each of us have our own trauma. We all have a story, whether we were raised with uh, both parents or not or none. Um, We all have a story. But to God be the glory, we have overcome and are overcoming. And I say that to say this, that 
because we didn't get to choose which family we could would belong to, we were forced, you and I and each of us were forced to to cope with all types of circumstances, whether it was issues with parents, absent parents, abusive parents, neglectful parents, siblings, no siblings, sibling rivalry, sibling you know, sexual things, um, mental things, financial things, housing things, you name it, you name it. We have gone through it. And many of those experiences have shaped the person who we are today to a greater or lesser degree. Some of those experiences have made many of us strong. They have made us um, tenacious. It has made us determined to survive despite what we've been through. We were determined. If, if, if we didn't prove anything to anybody else, we proved to ourselves that we were survivors. And then there are some of us who because of the pain and because of, of, of the traumas and, and things that have been afflicted upon them, they have become careless and neglectful and are, are you know, have taken on the, the, the victim mentality and the, the woe is me and I can't and I need help. And will you help me? And and, I, and I'm not picking. I'm just I'm just I'm just stating the facts. Right. And then you have those who are numb to where they're they're you know, you, you they 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 are so walled up, uh, so guarded because of, you know, things that have happened to them. They they're distrustful. They're um, suspicious. They're, you know, it's so hard to breach, you know, the gate. It's so hard to, to get to them because they've been hurt so badly to where they just won't risk opening themselves up again. And and that maybe didn't happen in childhood. Maybe some of these things happen in our adulthood to where we had just been through so much to. And I've heard people say, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm I am done. I'm I'm never gonna love again. I'm never getting married again. I'm never gonna trust anybody again. I'm never gonna join another church. I'll never support another man or woman of God. I'll never, um, you know. <laughs> Excuse me, I'll never step out again. You know, they 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 have been burned so bad by life to where they just, mm-mm, you know, and I think about Tamar, uh, David's daughter, who had been so mistreated. You know, she you're talking about somebody who didn't choose a family. I mean, my God, this poor girl, she she didn't choose her father or her mom. She didn't choose her brothers or her half brothers. She certainly didn't choose for Amnon to rape her, you know, out of the kindness of her heart. She's taking care of him and she's bringing him food and feeding him. And, you know, and he's under the pretense that he's so sick. And the only way he can feel better is if his sister comes in and and takes care of him. And he, 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 he violated her in the worst way. You know, not just from man to woman, but from brother to sister, half sister or not. Blood is blood. Right. And then to make matters worse, you know, he tells her, uh, get out. I mean, he just relegated her to 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 nothing. He stripped her of her dignity, of her virginity and her identity. And so for the rest of this woman's life, she had totally given up on life. 
and some of you, some of you or some people that you know are like that. They they have they've helped. They have extended, you know, their bowels of compassion. Their arms have been outstretched to help people, to support, to serve, to love, to undergird. And, and like David said, you know, they have returned evil for my good. And unfortunately, um, people of God, that is a part of the life experience where you have done nothing but good. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? But to the best of your ability, you have supported and you have given and you have labored and you have sacrificed and you have done all of these things. And then when it's time for you, when it's your turn, you know, it's like, well, where where is that? And guess what? That's my story. And that's your story. And there's so many other stories. And we're not talking about things that happen in the street, because guess what? You know, had it been a stranger, I could have borne it. But David said, my own familiar friend lift up the heel against me. And, you know, one who I sat with, I ate with, I fellowship with. In other words, one that I took a bath with. We ate out of the same cereal bowl. We slept in the same bed, wore the same shoes. And now here we are as adults or older. And you mean to tell me we can't speak? You mean to tell me that we're, you know, we're so far removed from family that you hate me or I'm hating you? What has happened? What has happened to the most prized human institution that God created, which is the family? What has happened to where, you know, we can mistreat and and abuse and cheat and deceive and all these other negative things and be okay with it. Like we never have the conscience to say, brother, I'm sorry, sister, I'm sorry, daughter, son, husband, wife, mom, dad, grandma, uncle. Where has that gone? The Bible says that our conscience has been seared. And he's talking about that reprobate minded person where they just they're calloused. These people are so hardened. You know, like some of some of our criminals, they can they can rob you, you know, um, uh, uh, excuse me, instigate gun violence without a second thought. I mean, that nothing crosses their mind that says that's wrong. There's no spirit of Christ nowhere that says to that person, that's wrong. Don't do that. But the Bible talks about that person that he's the Bible talks about in the last days. How right. How men should be lovers of themselves. Traitors, heady, high-minded, uh, despisers of those that are good, unplaceable, unthankful, disobedient to parent, disobedient to parent, unholy, and so we're in that dispensation. And what a what a tragedy that is for the human race. So the Bible said, yeah, he said, you, your conscience is seared like a hot iron with a hot iron because you don't have those faculties intact that says to you. What you said to her was wrong. What you did to her was him was wrong. You need to fix that. You need to go back. Even the Bible said, if you have offended your brother, excuse me, when you have when you go to present your gift and you remember that I have offended him or I have offended her. The Bible says, leave your gift at the altar, go and reconcile and then come back and present your gift. But we don't do that. We as believers, again, I'm not even talking about the unsaved, because if we expect the unsaved to be unsaved in the way that they, you know, govern themselves. So we don't ex- we don't expect I mean, yeah, we expect everybody to have a measure of decency. Right. But it, it, in terms of 
being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you can't expect that from a person who is not yielded to the Holy Spirit. So I'm talking about the believers, the blood-washed saints of God, those who profess the name of Christ, those who lift up the bloodstained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ, the defenders of the faith, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. These are the people I'm talking to because we are the ones, and yes, I include myself, we are the ones who shout and speak in tongues and prophesy and dream dreams and preach and lay hands and cast out devils and we'll still hate. Jesus said it like this. How can you love the father whom you have not seen and you can't love your brother who you see every day? And these will be the ones who will stand before the Lord on that day and say, Lord, I prophesied, I healed, I laid hands, I ministered. And the Lord will say unto them, I don't know you. Because when you stand before me, all I see is hate. All I see is unforgiveness. All I see is bitterness and resentment. All I see is is conniving ways and mischievous ways and deceitful ways. All I see is greed. All I see are lies and, and mistrust. So depart from me. <laughs> depart from me. That's what Jesus says to that person who has been ministering and prophesying and, and going to church and going through the motions, but they can't stand their brother. He said, depart from me, you that work iniquity. That iniquity is, is, is not even sin. It's worse than sin. It's beyond sin. Because the Holy Spirit will, re will reprove us of sin. The Holy Spirit will let you know that's not right. What you have in your heart toward her is wrong. What you have in your heart towards him is wrong. It's not right. It's grieving God. And it's, it's a blessing blocker. Not only that, the Bible says that unforgiveness brings the tormentors. Right. There was this man and he sought the, 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 the master. He owed this man a debt. He could not pay it. The man had mercy on him and said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Debt paid in full case dismissed. And so that same man who received so much forgiveness and so much mercy turned around to someone who owed him and cursed him, mistreated him and enforced that debt to be paid. And that parable that Jesus used, the Lord was livid with that man. He said, because you are unforgiving, you will be tormented. So unforgiveness brings torment. Unforgiveness opens doors for iniquity. It opens doors to poverty. It opens doors to um, negative emotional health. It opens doors to a host of things and it closes the doors to heaven. You will have brassy heavens over your life if you are unforgiving. You cannot make it to heaven despite how eloquent your tongues are and despite how many demons you've cast out and despite how accurate your prophecy is. You cannot make it to heaven holding unforgiveness in your heart. It is sin. If I regard iniquity, right? Not sin because the Holy Ghost is telling you, hey. You need to get that right. That's sin. You're sinning against God. You're trespassing against all the commandments. But when you when you have ignored that and this sin now turns, right, 
it turns and it takes on a more wickeder nature because now it's becoming a part of your DNA. It is becoming a part of you. Sin, Lord, I've, I've done wrong. Forgive me, Lord, cleanse me. And, and you know, uh, just wash me and cleanse me and make me over. Okay, yes, God forgives you and the Holy Spirit strengthens you in that area that you sinned in. But iniquity digs deeper. It's like a parasite and it grows. And so if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. This is what closes heavens over your life. This is why people can't receive breakthroughs in relationships, in marriages, in finances, in career, in health, because in their heart that nobody can see but God, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? For the Lord searches the reins of the heart. In that heart is animosity against someone who on many cases, in many cases, don't even know you feel that way. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. That person has no idea that you can't sleep at night for thinking about what they did. This person has no idea that you, you, your whole day is consumed and spent with thoughts of, I can't wait, I can't wait to get them back. They have gone on with their life. But that unforgiveness now has turned and is tormenting you. Forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is what cleanses your heart and it releases God to move and fight on your behalf. So you've got this woman, Tamar, who has gone through this trauma and she's she's born into a family of Lord Jesus, just of trouble for the lack of a better word. And she's never able to overcome it. And so Absalom takes her into his home and he takes care of her for the rest of her life. She never marries. She never has children. She never enjoys the good things that God has had in store because she never, Amnon, never, number one, never came back and said he was sorry. You know, he never made that right. And let me say this to you. In families, you're going to have some hurt that hurts like hurt has never hurt before. Because it's a hurt that you, you, you did not expect it to come from that one. That's why David said, really, my own familiar friend? Really? Right? When it comes from your own familiar friend, your own family, your own blood, it is a hurt that is devastating. I'm, I'm telling you what I know. Each of us have been hurt by family, whether it was intentional or unintentional. By omission or commission, we have all been hurt. And by the same token, we have hurt our family members. Many of us as parents have wounded our children in, in, in more ways than you probably. Imagine. You know, if you were to really have that honest conversation. Yeah, well, I'm the mother. I'm the father. You do what I say. But we have hurt our children. They have been many times. Good Lord. Many times I have gone to my children and I have apologized. I have apologized for things that I have said or things that I have done. Even the Lord took me back to, my God, a long time ago in my life, something that I did that opened a door in one of my children's lives. And, and you know, you, it, it comes from spending time in the presence of God. Because you can say the blood of Jesus. I don't know why he's acting like that. I don't know why she's acting like that. I don't know why the devil used him. But then when you spend time in the presence of God and stop pointing fingers and say, Lord, peradventure, God. Is there something, what's going on in my son's life 
that he keeps struggling in that area? What's going on in my daughter's life that she keeps struggling or battling in that area? Lord, show me. Is it something that I did? It's, it's taking ownership. And then when, if it is a thing and God reveals it to you, then you know what? Do your due diligence and go to your child and say, you know what? I was praying and about the situation in your life, this area that you've been struggling in. And guess what? The Lord showed me that I played a role in that. And I want to let you know, I apologize. And I went to God on your behalf and on my behalf. And I dealt with that thing in the realm of the spirit. And so daughter, son, from this point forward, you won't struggle in that area of life anymore. Do you know how liberating it is for your child to hear their parent, the person they're supposed to trust the most? And I know that's not always the case, but, you know, that's the way God designed it originally. But the person that they're supposed to trust the most comes to them and say, the reason why you've been struggling in this area is because of something that I did. But I went to God and broke that thing off your life. And so you're free. If David would have approached Tamar when he heard about what had happened between Amnon and Tamar, if he would have said, sweetheart, daughter, baby, sugar, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. Please forgive me because guess what? I'm the one who sent you in his room. Do you know how uh, uh, how more productive her life could have been if her father would have acknowledged what his role now no no now we know he was not responsible for Amnon raping Tamar so we're not even gonna put that on him okay we're not gonna put that on him but what we will do is we'll acknowledge that what happened to her was a result of him being for lack of a better word careless you know, not even discerning. You couldn't discern this boy was lusting after his sister. You couldn't, you, you know good and well the issues you had. And as parents, let me just say this. Many times we act so bewildered and befuddled when we see our children do things. But guess what? That apple didn't far, fall far from the tree. Some of what you're frustrated with your children about are things that you didn't deal with in your life. And that seed has now turned into an orchard. And then we act brand new when we see some of this stuff happening. I can't believe little Johnny's acting like that. I can't believe. Yes, you can. Because if you think back over your life, you know, before you got real good and saved and you could learn a couple of scriptures. Remember what you put your parents through with your parents. through. Remember what you did. Remember what you co-signed and you are part of. So, again, it's a, it's a matter of and I mean, this is just loaded, right? It's a loaded thing. And and Jesus is the only answer. Let me just tell you, he's the only answer. You have to go to him and say, Lord, I have I am responsible or I, I take responsibility for what's happening in my family. You know, I, I take I remember in Jeremiah, I believe it's a whole entire book of Lamentations. Jeremiah went to God interceding and travailing on behalf of their fathers. He said, Lord, I, we didn't do this, but our fathers did it. And you know what he did? He said, forgive me. And, and Jeremiah owned it. He owned what his forefathers did so that God would have mercy on the people because the fathers didn't do it. They didn't know that they needed to. <laughs> right. There are things that our parents and foreparents have done, especially depending on your culture. And, and it's troubling you now. These roots and things are troubling us now in this generation. 
in generations to come troubling us. So somebody has to say, Father, on behalf of my forefathers, on behalf of my grandmother, on behalf of my mom, I come, God, and I ask for forgiveness. Cleanse my bloodline in Jesus name. But David didn't do that. David ignored his daughter's pleas. He ignored Absalom, went to him and said, hey, dad, deal with Amnon. And David would not do it. And so Am, uh, uh, Absalom rises up. And, and you've got one situation that escalates into another situation that escalates. And you know how that works. And that's what we see in many of our families is things that weren't dealt with. Things that God said don't do and somebody did and open the door for hell. <laughs> you know, open the door for demons to come in. And, um, and and so now we want to sit back and blame devils. I bind the devil and I'm binding and loosening. I'm fighting a strong man. And, but it, it, a lot of, yeah, and do that. That's wonderful. The devil's a lie. Yes, yeah, yeah, he is. But then also, when did you sit your family member down and say, nephew, I apologize for what I said to you. Grandson, I'm sorry. Granddaughter, daughter, daughter-in-law, whatever. I apologize. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was, yeah, I was going through something and, and I wasn't thinking clearly, but I still should not have put you through that. I should not have hurt you like I did. And I'm deeply sorry. I can't take back what happened, but I'm deeply sorry that I put you through that and I ask you to forgive me. And if there's anything that I can do to help you uh, overcome the pain, you just let me know. And you know what? God will have mercy on you for having the mind of Christ to be a peacemaker. Blessed shall be the peacemakers, right? God wants us to be peacemakers. God wants us to be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Why are we not seeing God? Because our hearts are impure. Now, on the flip side, for those of us who have been wounded in family. And someone comes and says, you know what, daughter, son, grandson, son, daughter, nephew, I'm sorry. You have a responsibility to forgive. You cannot play judge and jury and say, well, you know what? I, I you know, I hear you, but I'm just saying you shouldn't have so and so. So you don't know what it took for that person to to come and approach you or make, you know, uh, arrangements or whatever to try to fix what you don't. You don't even know how many days that person has left on the earth. And God is telling them, get your house in order. And they're coming to you trying to make it right. And, and here you are because you are so hurt. You can't even forgive. So you have a responsibility too. when someone who has wounded you comes back to try to make amends. And, and you don't receive them. I don't want to hear it. Forget you. Don't you ever. I, I don't believe nothing you say. And you know what? To be honest with you is is really. The, thing, the fact of the matter is not so much whether you believe what they say. It's taking them at their word. You said that you were sorry for what you did. I may not feel that. I may not think that you are worth being forgiven. But you know what? I forgive you. Thank you for trying to make things right. And, and you know, let's just pray that God will heal the damage that was done. 
And then you take it, you take that to God and you allow God to finish working in your heart because just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that the pain is gone. Oh, that's not the same process. It's two different, two different sets of processes there. Forgiveness and healing are two different things. So, you know, you have a responsibility when someone says to you, listen, I'm sorry. And, and let me tell you, here's another thing. <laughs> People's apology look different. There was one lady years ago, and I'm smiling because I still love her to this day. We're not in, in fellowship, and we don't we don't talk at all, um, but I still love her. But I remember years ago, she would just do things to me, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sure she didn't mean to do it. I, I, I just believe she was overzealous, and um, you know how that can be. People just, you know, quick and just moving quick, and you end up making a mistake or what have you. But anyway, she would just, she would either break something of mine or just, it just, I don't know. She just bothered my stuff. And I'm kind of, I'm one of those people, I don't like people to bother my stuff. And um, and so she would apologize up and down. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I knew she meant it. I, I knew she was genuine, even though she kept doing it. But I, I, I truly believed in my heart, and I still do to this day, that she really meant what she said. But then you know what she would do? She would take it a step further and she would say, here's a peace offering. And she would give me something, you know, just some little gift. It didn't have to be much. But for her, it was what she needed me to receive so that she would feel forgiven. And I would take it and I would say, you didn't have to do that. And she would say, yes, I did. And so that was her way of not just saying, I'm sorry, but here, here's, here's a, a peace offering. And so, again, people's apologies look different. Some men, you know, some men, right, will, if they've done wrong by their wife, they bring her flowers. Or they may say, you know what, honey, let's go out to dinner. And he may never say, I'm sorry. He may never articulate those words. But the fact that she comes home and finds flowers on the table or the, her clothes laid out on the bed and say, take a bath, let's go to dinner. That's his apology. Now, in your world, you may say, yeah, but he didn't say I'm sorry. She didn't say I'm sorry. And you're right. But everybody does their apology different. And if that's the way that they are expressing their sorrow and repentance and remorse for what they've done, then receive that peace offering. Uh, You may have to accept the apology that you never get. Some folk won't give you a peace offering, won't give you flowers and, you know, just won't even acknowledge that they hurt you. Like I said, they're so callous and cold hearted to where they can cut you and watch you bleed and walk out the door. Even in that, you have to accept the apology that you never received. And I have done that. Oh, my goodness. On so many occasions. And it will make you so mature in God to say, Father, Forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's what Jesus did. Do you think Judas came back to apologize to Jesus and say, hey, by the way, I'm real sorry about what happened in the garden, man. I, hey, bro, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to go down like that. <laughs> he didn't get a chance to make it right. Paul didn't get a chance to make it right with Stephen. But guess what? They said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And there are people who have hurt you and will hurt you because life is going to bring you some stuff. And you will have to be the bigger person, the more mature person to say, you know what? That person just doesn't even get it. They don't even understand how they've hurt me. 
They don't. And this is something that I'm telling you what God taught me. God taught me this art of forgiveness. You know, and I would say, God, they don't even understand how many nights I've cried. They don't even understand what my family had to go through as a result of what they did. But you know what, Father? For my heart to remain pure so that I can continue to be used by you and, and so that I can continue to maintain a relationship. Lord, I release them. I forgive them, God. And I ask you, Lord, to heal them in the area where they feel they don't owe anybody an apologies. Lord, heal them. And do you know? You will feel a release in your spirit and God will bless you because you are mature enough to put that work in instead of waiting for somebody else to do it. So these are all things that happens in the family. There's no perfect family. Even the body of Christ is having issues and that's the family of God. There are no perfect families Every family has their secrets. Every family has their drama, has their trauma, has their issues. Every family, some worse than others, but every family has their issue. And in order for you to live a successful life to the best of what God has given you, you will have to learn how to accept what you don't get. You must learn how to love You must learn how to be all the fruits of the spirit, how to be long suffering, how to be temperate. You've got to learn how to be kind. You've got to learn how to be wise. Otherwise, just go ahead and pack your bags and move to the mountains by yourself. Because if you're going to be around people, whether they're your family or not, you're going to have to deal with the human nature, human behavior. And if you're one of those, well, I'm just cutting everybody off, I'm cutting, then you're going to shortchange your own destiny because your destiny has people connected to it. If you can't get along with people, you find yourself, you're always in a season of cutting off. And I get it. There are times the Bible talks about seasons to embrace and seasons to refrain from embracing. I totally get it. But if you are in a continual season, of cut, 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 cut. My brother, my sister, you've got some growing to do. Because you can't cut everybody out and then want God to use you. Especially those of you who say God calls you to minister. Who are you going to minister to? If you're cutting everybody off, who, who, where are you going? <laughs> you going to minister to the animals, to the trees? You have to minister to people. And so if you don't know and you're trying to be, you're trying to go forth in business, but you don't like people. You're trying to go forth and get married, but you don't like people. You're trying to go forth in ministry, but you don't like people. You are going to have a lot, a lot of dark days, many, many dark days until you learn the principles of human behavior. If you learn how to understand the dynamics of family, you don't have to like them and hug them and walk to the store with them, but you must love. Jesus said, you've got to love your neighbor, even as yourself. If you say you love me, you don't love your brother. He said, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. You know what a liar, do you know how God feels about liars? God hates liars. He said, liar will not tarry in my sight. God will never, I don't care how much you sing and praise and dance and prophesy. God will never come into your presence with a lying spirit. Don't, please don't fool yourself. (laughs) Don't fool yourself. If you have a lying spirit, God will never entertain your presence. 
So I just wanted to leave these words of wisdom with you because I love you all so much. I may not ever lay my eyes on you, but I feel you in the realm of the spirit. And I speak the peace of God over your heart. I speak the peace of God over your family and over your relationships. And I release unto you the wisdom to know better and to do better. And let there be a grace that rests upon your life to build family, to establish family and maintain family. Because family is the heart of God. Amen. Well, until next time, you all, I pray this word has been a blessing to you. Grace and peace.